All right, everyone, if you have a Bible, go with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We are beginning a four-week series on the theme of Advent, the light that overcomes. And I don't assume that everyone understands what Advent is. And so Advent is really the new year in the church calendar. Uh, it starts off the new year. We have seasons like Lent and Eastertide and Pentecost. Advent really is the start of the Christian calendar. And it reminds us that new beginnings and new starts are not products of our own willpower. New beginnings and new starts are made possible by God's grace in Jesus Christ. And so a fresh start, a fresh beginning, that's really what Advent is about. And Advent means, you know, the arrival. Where, where, and we wait for the arrival of Christ. And so in one way, we, we, we anticipate Christ's coming again. We remember that Christ has come. And by the Holy Spirit, we want to discern the ways that Christ comes every single day of our lives. But this is a time to anticipate Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that, we're going to be in a four-week series focusing on various gospel themes related to Advent and related to Jesus, related to the light that overcomes. We're going to be in uh, John chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse number 1 through verse number 5. Hear the word of the Lord. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Ooh, I like that last line. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us now through the power of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and give us revelation and illumination. Give us ears to see, uh, ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive every gift you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. I want to come out and just say it. It is a terrible thing that it gets dark at 4.30 p.m. Can I get a witness here? It is a terrible thing. That it gets dark at 4.30. I think about this comic from time to time every year. A woman comes up to her kids because dinner is served and the kids go, oh, it's a bit early. And she goes, look outside, guys. The sun has set. Darkness is upon us. It's the dead of the night. And the kids respond, it's 4.53. It's only 4.53. I resonate with this. I recognize this. There's times when it's 5.30 and I'm getting ready to tuck my kids in bed. I'm just like, it, it is bedtime. And thinking, I got two, three more hours to go. What are we doing here? It gets dark so very early. A few times in a given week in our home, someone will comment, can you believe how dark it is outside so early? I think about this on a regular basis. And as I think about this conversation that I have with my family about how dark it gets so early in the day, I can't help but to think this is also a metaphor for our world. I can't help but to look out at the world and ask, can you believe how dark it is outside? Not the darkness of the sun going down, but the darkness of a world entangled in sin. 
The darkness of a world marked by violence. The darkness of a world marked by political idolatry and political hostility. A world marked by the darkness of racism. The world in darkness through a global pandemic. Can you believe how dark it is outside? The challenge with darkness is not simply, however, locating it out there. The challenge of our text and of our lives and of Advent is to recognize the darkness in here as well. And so I want to talk about darkness concretely. I want to talk about darkness not simply abstractly. I want to talk about darkness in a way that we can identify the powers of darkness and the ways that Christ wants to really shine his light in our lives. When I think about darkness, I recognize that so many of us watching online, so many of us in this room, maybe you're not experiencing darkness in a profound way today. But yet, as I've talked about in different ways, it's only a matter of time before we experience a season of darkness. We are either coming out of a season of darkness, we are in a season of darkness, or we are entering in into a season of darkness. This is what it means to be human, to live in this world, that we are confronted with the powers of darkness. And yet, when I think about my own life and, thinking about, and think about your life, I can think about three kinds of darkness that we have to face. The first kind of darkness that I want to uh, put before you is what I'm calling situational darkness. And by situational darkness, what I'm getting at is this idea that there is no consolation in the moment. What's going on in, the, in your mind, what's going on deep in your heart is you don't see the kind of change that you long to see. And as a result, you're in a situation that's bringing about some kind of darkness. And in this situational darkness, you wonder, when will the crisis that I'm experiencing be resolved? When will the problem be solved? How long will things be like this? Is there hope for today? And maybe what you're experiencing is great worry and great concern and great anxiety. Some of you watching, some of you in this room, you're experiencing a form of situational darkness. Maybe you've been to the doctor and you're awaiting results. And as you are waiting, you wonder, is bad news heading my way? Maybe you've lost your job and you're trying to figure out how is everything going to uh, uh, happen throughout the holiday season? How am I going to be able to make do at the end of this year? Maybe you're having a hard time parenting. Maybe there's some tensions between relationships. It's a situational kind of darkness. But that's not the only kind of darkness that we experience. The other kind of darkness that we experience is what I call navigational darkness. There's situational darkness and there's navigational darkness. And, and navigational darkness, what I mean by that is there's no direction for the moment. And no direction in the moment. You wonder, what should I do next? You think about your career, you think about your job, and you wonder, what is the next step for me? When you think about your entire life, you wonder, what's the next step that I have to take? And there's darkness that is uh, identifying your life. You do not know which way to go. You wonder, is God with me? You wonder, will things ever get clear? And what you're experiencing deep down inside is confusion. 
Within situational darkness, you experience worry and anxiety. Within navigational darkness, you experience confusion. And then there's a deeper layer of darkness that all of us will experience from time to time. It's existential darkness. Where you realize or you feel that there's no hope for the future. And you can't envision anything good happening in the future. You wrestle with questions like, will I ever be happy? You wrestle with questions like, is God good? Does God even exist? And I, am, I make no assumptions that just because you're in a worship gathering or watching online that you feel that God is good or you believe that God exists. And for many people, there is this kind of existential darkness that we feel. Can God be trusted? Can anyone be trusted? Do I have hope beyond the grave? And in this kind of darkness, what we experience is despair. We experience hopelessness. And so let me ask you, are you in situational darkness today? Are you in a phase or season of navigational darkness? Are you at a point of existential darkness? Wherever you are in this moment, there's good news that Advent brings. And our text reminds us that as the people of God, even in darkness, we can live in great hope. In our text in John chapter 1, John begins with words that sound very familiar. And it's impossible to miss the connection that John is making at the beginning of his gospel with the first book in the Bible. There are many people who have not read much of the Bible, but it's easy to recognize the first few words in the Bible, whether you are religious or not. The book of Genesis begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. What we must see at the very beginning in the Bible is that these words were not written for the purpose of scientific explanation. The creation story in the book of Genesis was not intended to be a presentation on science. The creation story in Genesis was to establish a very simple theological truth. And the truth is this. Whenever God speaks a word, nothing can stop it. Oh, I feel the spirit now. Whenever God speaks a word, nothing can stop it. When God said, let there be light, light appeared. There was no vote. There was no conversation. There was no deliberation. There was nothing of the sort. Whenever God speaks a word, God's word comes to pass. And you need to hold on to that truth for your own situation today. Some of you are wondering, is there a word? Is there a way out of my problem? Let God speak a word over your life. And whenever God speaks, there's nothing darkness can do about it. Amen. And so in the beginning, God says, in the beginning, John says, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Letting us know there is a connection between the book of Genesis and the person of Jesus. John is letting us know at the very beginning of his gospel that the reason we exist today is because of what Christ has done. 
The reason we are, the world is sustained today is because Jesus, amen, is holding it all together. And so in these first couple of verses, we get to see something about the person of Jesus, about the identity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he's more than just a human being, that he's more than just a teacher, that he's more than just a good person, that Jesus Christ is much more than that. And there's three very simple theological truths within the first few verses of the Gospel of John that we learn about Jesus. John teaches us about the pre-existence of Jesus. That Jesus did not begin to exist when he was born. That he existed from, from throughout all eternity. We learn about the pre-existence of Jesus. We learn about the coexistence with Jesus and the Father. That the Father and the Son are united as one. And we speak about the self-existence of Jesus. That there was never a moment where he came into being. That he was always there. The Nicene Creed says it this way. This is a creed that the church has confessed for many, many, many years. It says, we believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father, and through him all things were made. John is letting us know at the beginning who Jesus is. And after these verses, he makes a similar parallel with what we see in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, there's a phrase that's important to note. It says that the earth was formless and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. The Hebrew word for that phrase of, of formless and void is the word tohu wabohu in Hebrew. And you don't have to be a Hebrew scholar to know that doesn't sound good. That just does not sound good. Tohu wabohu. Darkness. Formless. Void. It's the chaos of creation before God speaks light into the world. In the opening pages of Genesis, we see chaos. And in the opening pages of the Gospel of John, John is trying to show us there still remains problems in this world. It's darkness. When John writes about darkness, he's not just talking about the slip-ups that we have, the inconsistencies of our lives. He's talking about a world that's trapped in sin. A world that is trapped in, 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 in something beyond ourselves. That we can't rescue ourselves out of the pre present condition that we find ourselves in. We need a power from outside of ourselves in order to be free from the darkness that we see outside and within ourselves. That there's something that's wrong with the world. And we see this when we watch the news. We see this when we look out the window. That there's something that's just not right. And creation is crying out for something to happen. There's darkness. And our ability to speak clearly about the darkness of our world and the darkness of our own lives is not about being pessimistic. It's about living in reality. And that's the only place where God dwells in reality. And there's a lot of darkness before us. A lot of darkness outside of us, a lot of darkness within us. As a pastor, 
I'm invited into many of your lives in this room here watching online. And I am routinely made aware of the various forces of darkness that we all must contend with. The darkness of a recent married couple who only after a few months wonders, will we make it? The darkness of a person in financial challenges and no sign of employment. The darkness of a family having to work through the mental illness of a beloved family member. The darkness of a depression that you just can't seem to shake. The darkness of a pandemic that seems to be unending. I just learned a new word yesterday, Omicron or whatever you call it. A new word for the next variant. When is this thing going to end? A world. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The, uh, a world that exists in darkness because of hateful politics. A world in darkness that's marked by violence and shootings and racism. And it's not just out there is the darkness in here. The darkness of our own twisted desires. The darkness of our rage. The darkness that we've experienced because of wounds from our childhood. The darkness and the emptiness that we feel and the addictions that we run to to cover it up. Advent reminds us that our lives, our families, our, our city, our nation, our world is often overwhelmed by the forces of darkness. And yet, brothers and sisters, my sermon does not end here. Amen. It'd be real depressing if I said, there's lots of darkness. Amen. Let's pray and let's head home. You'd be like, well, I don't think I want to come to church next week. This is not very encouraging. But here's the reality of Advent. Advent does not dismiss the darkness. But Advent does not end with darkness. Advent reminds us that, yes, it is dark, brothers and sisters. But the truth is also that the light shines in the middle of the darkness. The best word, amen, that I can give you is in verse 4 and verse 5. That no matter how dark it gets, darkness cannot overcome the light. Look at what John says in verse 4. It says, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want you to see something beautiful and something powerful here. Up until this point, John is writing in the past tense. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And past tense, all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. But when John gets to verse 5, he goes from the past tense into the present tense. The present perpetual tense. Because in verse 5, he says that the light shines. And that word shines is just this continual present tense. It shines, and it keeps on shining. That there's nothing you can do to quench this light that it shines and it continues to shine on, which is why the darkness cannot overcome it. 
In one translation, it says the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot understand it. But really, in essence, is the darkness cannot overcome it. And it is this truth that we hold on to, that the light that Jesus Christ brings is what the world needs to step out of our darkness. Often, whenever there is a tragedy that takes place, whenever there's a terror attack, some kind of disaster, someone will often get on television and say something to the effect of, darkness will not put out our light. And I understand what they're saying when they say that. But here's the problem. When people use that language... The light often refers to our humanity, to our ability to do good things. The light refers often to our own inherent goodness. But let's be honest. Our light, apart from God, has no power. Unless our lives are joined to God, our light has no power. And so when John says that darkness cannot overcome the light, he's not talking about human capability. He's not talking about human progress. He's not talking about human achievements. He's talking about the light that comes through Jesus Christ. And nothing can overcome his light because the light shines. The light is always shining. The question is, are we opening ourselves up to that light? That's the question, brothers and sisters. The light is always shining. The question is, are we opening ourselves up to that light? Just a couple of weeks ago, my family took a trip down to North Carolina to spend time with my family to celebrate my mother's birthday. And we drove down. We took a road trip. I hate road trips. And we took a road trip and... I needed to stop at D.C. and just, I, I couldn't drive more than five hours. That's my, that's my limit, you know. And, and, and got to about five hours, got to D.C. It took two hours to get out of New York. And, and when we, we get to D.C., we stay at a hotel. And, and in the morning, we, we didn't realize what time it was because the curtains were pulled closed. And those hotels have some thick, really nice curtains. That if those things are shut, you, you don't know what time it is. And so I didn't know what time it was. The curtains were shut. And my son Nathan opens the curtain just a little bit. And you've been there before where you open just a little bit and light just shines into the room. And then he opened it a whole bunch. And we were like, close, close the curtain. You know, close the curtain. What are you doing? But here's the beauty of this. The light was always shining and already shining. The question was, were we going to pull back the curtain of our lives? And that's the invitation as followers of Jesus. God's light is always shining. The question is, are you making room for it? Are you opening and pulling back the curtain of your life? And that's the invitation of this passage. There's lots of darkness out there. And there's darkness in here. God's light shines over and over and over again. Will you open yourself up to that light? And as we think about what it means to open ourselves up to that light, I want to give you three invitations for this season of Advent. Three invitations. What does it mean to open ourselves up to the light of God? What does it mean to join our lives to the light of Christ? What does it mean to live in light and not live in darkness? Three very simple invitations. What does it mean to do this? First of all, to live in this reality means that we must confess the darkness within 
confess the darkness within. I think above all other people, Christians should be the people who are most capable of our own inner darkness. Every week, we pray prayers of confession. If there's anyone who should recognize darkness within ourselves, it's Christians. We throw ourselves at the mercy of God. We recognize that sin is very real. We recognize that sin is very pervasive. If there's anyone who should be confessing the darkness within, it is Christians. And yet what we find within the church is that it's often hard for us to name our own darkness. I think about one of the reasons why the church throughout this nation is losing so many people. One of the reasons is because the church has not routinely and regularly confessed our own darkness. That the darkness is not just out there. That the darkness is in here as well. And here's the ironic thing. The more we confess our darkness, the more the light can come in. The more the rest of the world can see the church as a viable solution to the transformation of the world. But it begins with us confessing the darkness within. I think about the Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said it this way in very profound words. He says, The light separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. We live in a society where it is very easy to blame the darkness of the world on everyone else. It's the liberals. It's the Republicans. It's people who put pineapple on their pizza. That's why there's darkness in the world, whatever it is. It's people who don't bring the cart back where it belongs after the supermarket. That's why the world is in darkness. Which I heard there's two people in this world. I don't want to get judgy in here, but, uh, but there's two people. There's the people who, who put the cart where it belongs and people who just leave it there on the side there and just... Uh, I got convicted by the Spirit a couple of years ago, and so I, I walk it all the way back there, lest someone says, Pastor Rich, is that you? And his own devil says, not me. <laughs> That's the nice thing about wearing masks these days. <laughs> Hat down, mask up. Although it was interesting, uh, at the height of the pandemic, I'm walking down the street with a hat and my mask on, and, and there was a mother with, who comes to our church with her little elementary age child, and as I'm walking down, you know, trying to avoid everyone, she, she goes, hey, Pastor Rich, and I go, how in the world did she recognize me with my mask on? It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. The church should lead the way in confessing our darkness. Imagine how our marriages would be healed if we all recognize the darkness that we perpetuate, the lies, the ways that the judgmentalism, to live in this light of Advent means that we are to first confess our darkness. The second invitation in this Advent season is to be a source of light for those in darkness. What does it mean to live out this truth? that we are called to recognize that there's so many people who are experiencing darkness, 
people who are experiencing so much pain through decisions of their own and through the decisions of other people. And what they long for is the light of love, the light of kindness, the light of gentleness. I think about a quote that's popularly attributed to Plato, that Plato says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. I think about this on a regular basis. And when I first was introduced to this quote and read the Bible, I began to change the way I would see people and interact with people. Because I just naturally assume in a given day that the people that I encounter at the grocery store, the people I encounter in my apartment complex, the people I encounter on the road, that so many of them are fighting a hard battle. And as a result, I'm called to be a source of light and kindness and gentleness towards people who are really struggling. It's changed the way I drive. Not totally, but in some ways. That when someone cuts in front of me, I usually just, I, I have some choice words, prayers. I, I offer prayers. And, 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 and now they're often the kind where I just assume maybe they're in a rush because there's, there's, some, there's a problem. There's a challenge that they have, and, and Lord, bless them, Lord. Yes, I just almost got in an accident because, but bless them, Lord. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recognize this principle, that whenever someone is short with me, I try to remember there's so many people fighting a hard battle. When I hold the door for someone, and they just walk by and don't say thank you, and the pastor goes, thank you, you're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. I just chase you down until you say thank you. Teddy knows what I'm saying, and, 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 and so now what I'm trying to do is, is, is recognize, you know, they, they must have a lot in their mind. I'm trying to think the best about people, and this does not mean that we're just winking at mistakes and not putting down boundaries and such, but there's so many people who have been hurt and are wounded and are fighting a hard battle. When I became a pastor, my early years at New Life, there was a congregant that I just didn't see eye to eye on so many things, and we could not have been more different. More different theologically, more different generationally, from a totally different neighborhood. And we would just bump heads over and over again. There were about three to four meetings we had in a given year. And I remember about to have another one of those meetings where we just have to resolve a conflict. And on my way to church, one of our pastors calls us. And I say, I'm about to have a meeting with this person and pray for me and this is going to be terrible and, and all that and it's driving me crazy and I don't know how much longer I can do this. And the pastor said, well, Rich, do you know about this person's story? The losses that this person has experienced from preteen and teenage and in their 20s, the, the compiled losses upon loss and the trauma, the disaster that's come their way. I said, no, I, I never. And he began to just rehearse the various wounding and trauma, and struggles. And no, it did not change our relationship fully. No, it did not mean that we did not have our disagreements and our conflicts. But I walked into that meeting just a little different, thinking about the wounds that this person has experienced, the trauma that they've had to endure for many years. And I was able to be a kinder, more gentle presence to that person there. It was Parker Palmer who said, the more we know about another's story, 
the harder it is to hate or harm that person. And I think there's lots of truth there. We're called to be a source of light because there's so many people living in darkness. The darkness of their own decisions, the darkness of their own sins, the darkness of being sinned against. Advent is an opportunity for us to cultivate gentleness and kindness and grace and mercy. The third and last invitation before we sing is the invitation to not fear the darkness. Confess our darkness, be a source of light for those living in darkness. But brothers and sisters, we cannot read this gospel, John chapter 1, and not come to this conclusion that God does not want you to fear the darkness. Early in this message, I've mentioned we all have different kinds of darkness, one of a situational kind, one of a navigational kind, one of, a, of an existential kind. And no matter what darkness you are feeling today, the reason we don't have to fear, brothers and sisters, is because God knows how to work in the dark. That God does God's best work in the dark. That light and darkness are the same thing to God. That you can meet God within the darkness. I, I love that in the book of Exodus in chapter 20, after Moses gives the Ten Commandments to the people of God, the people of God are very afraid, and Moses says these words to them. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you, to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. I love that line. Moses approached the thick darkness where, not Satan, where God was. Here's the beautiful truth about that passage. God dwells in darkness in the same way God dwells in light. Why? Because it's the same thing to God. Some of the transformation that God wants to do in your life is going to come in a season of darkness. Why? Because God is in that place waiting to form you, waiting to transform you. Christianity does not promise that if you come to Jesus, you will not have any dark moments. No, Christianity promises in your dark moments, you will have Jesus. That he will be with you in the deepest darkness you feel. Why? Because God arrives in the world in darkness. God doesn't come in Christ when it is all sunny outside. God does not come in Christ when all is well. God does not come in Christ when it is light outside. God comes in the darkest hour. And so whenever we see the darkness of oppression and evil, Advent would have us to say, yes, that's real. But that's not the end of the story. Whenever we see the darkness of poverty and war, of our own dysfunctions, of our own challenges, yes, this is darkness, but this is not the end of the story. Whenever we see the darkness of racism and political hostility, yes, it is dark, but this is not the end of the story. Why? Because in the middle of darkness, God shows up. In the words of Wendell Berry, who beautifully articulated all of what we see in Advent in one simple line. He says these words, profound words. It gets darker and darker 
and darker. And then Christ is born. That's the invitation of Advent. To recognize no matter how dark it gets, Christ is with us. Christ comes. Christ can sustain you. Let's pray together. I wonder today what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today. For some of us in this room, the invitation is to confess our darkness, to confess our own sin, to cultivate greater humility, to recognize that we often get it wrong, very wrong. And Advent is an invitation for greater confession and humility and repentance. For others, the invitation is to be light, to pay attention to the darkness that so many are experiencing in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And that in this season, Christ is inviting you to join with him and bringing gentleness and kindness to people that maybe you even have a difficult time loving. Maybe the invitation is for you to not fear the darkness, knowing that God is with you, that God will sustain you, that God will come. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? I'll give you about 30 seconds or so just to invite the Spirit to zero in on what's happening in your own soul and then we'll sing together. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Speak your word of light into our darkness, into our interior darkness, to the darkness of this world. We long for your coming. May we join you in being a people of light in a world that's marked by great darkness. May we see the ways that you're coming to us even now. We sing to you words of praise and worship for you are our light. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together.
Let's have our prayer team come to my, to my right, to your left. One of the ways that we allow light to come in is by receiving prayer. It's a beautiful way of allowing the Holy Spirit to shed the light of Christ in our lives by receiving prayer. And some of you, you've been wrestling with darkness, wondering in, of a situational kind. It's a situation that you just don't know, will this thing be resolved? And you need God's grace for this particular moment. For some of you, it's of a navigational kind. You are just lost. Lord, what should I do next? Where should I go? What should I do? And you just need the light of the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. For some, it's a very deep existential darkness where you wonder, is God good? Is God with me? Does God see me? And no matter what darkness you're experiencing, we want to pray for you. 
that the words that our prayer team speaks over you would really come forth as the light of God, dispelling the darkness of your own soul. And so after my blessing, and feel free to come up for prayer. At the end of this service, we're going to have a sermon discussion time. And uh, one of our pastors will be leading that for those of you watching online. Or if you want to just join on your phone as well, you can check out the link on our social media. If you just want to talk with someone and a group of people about what you've heard today, uh, feel free to join us uh, for that. In addition to that, I imagine those of you watching online, maybe there's some of you here. uh, You've never allowed the light of Christ to flood your heart because you've never said yes to Jesus. As I mentioned with that image of the, the, the curtain in the hotel just opening just a little bit, all Christ needs is a little bit of opening and he will pour out his lights on you. And maybe you've been trying to de- deal with darkness in your own power, deal with darkness in your own strength. And today you're saying, I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. I want to surrender to Jesus and to the light that only he can bring. And so whether you come forward for prayer because you really want to begin a new relationship with Jesus, whether you text to that number if you're watching online or if you want to text because you want one of our pastors to follow up with you to have a conversation, you can very simply type, uh, text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen, uh, 718-424-0122. And if you just want someone to help you in your next step, we'd be happy to do that. I'll be downstairs with our, some of our pastors down in the lobby area. If you're new to our congregation, I'd love to meet you. If we've never met before, uh, please um, approach me. I'd, I'd love to connect with you before you head out. But as we close, I want to offer a word of blessing over your life. Feel free to open your hands towards heaven in this way to receive a blessing. May we receive and be open to the light of Christ that we may bear witness to that light in the world around us. With your hands and your hearts in the posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit confessing your own darkness, joining God in being light to the world around you, having courage over the darkness that you see. May God flood you with his life and with his light this week. And may you be a gift to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong and the beautiful and the light-giving name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace to you all.